and welcome to Ipsa Dixit, a podcast on legal scholarship. I'm your host, Brian L. Fry, Spears Gilbert Associate Professor of Law at the University of Kentucky College of Law. And my guest today is Omri Rahum Twaig, who is an adjunct professor at the Tel Aviv University Bookman Faculty of Law. And we're going to be talking about his new book, just coming out from Routledge, called Copyright Law and Derivative Works, Regulating Creativity. So uh, welcome, Omri, to the podcast. Thanks so much, Brian. I'm happy happy to be here. Yeah, it's great. You're my, my second international interview. Omri is obviously in, in Israel. So uh, setting up the podcast involves a lot of, of time difference today. So we've, we've corresponded uh, quite a bit on, on Twitter, et cetera, and I'm really interested in, in your work on, on creativity in relation to copyright, which I think is really interesting, novel, and not something I've, I've really seen before. And I really enjoyed reading, reading your book as well, which I think is going to make uh, an interesting and important contribution. And I was wondering if you could just start by, by kind of laying out the structure of, of the book itself, because your argument kind of comes in like, kind of comes in like five parts. No, you right, that, that's, that's correct. Right. A few kind of different angles that you take in, in laying out your position. And I was wondering, because there's just so much for us to talk about in, in half an hour, I was going to just lay out the the sort of the, the the parts of your argument. Right, great. So I'll definitely do that, and I can say that that although the the book is you know divided into into five main chapters, it's I, I can characterize it as probably divided into three main parts. So so we have a, a first part which is probably the, the, the biggest motivation for this research, which is a discussion on non-legal thoughts uh, and understandings and fields of study uh, that relates to creativity. In order to uh, attempt establishing some conclusions or notions about what the, crea- what the creative process is, what creativity is all about, not through the lens of copyright, rather uh, uh, through the lens of other uh, uh, non-legal field. So that would be a first part, which is divided into two specific chapters. One is dedicated to um, creativity studies and cognitive psychology as a field of knowledge for the research of, you know, of the creative process and what creativity is. And the other one focuses on uh, genre theories, uh, which I see as a kind of a more complementary approach to what creativity is, because it, it not only focuses on, uh, on the individual uh, creative process, right, the cognitive process of the author, rather on what creativity is also in a more, um, in a more perhaps social, sociological or philosophical um, standpoint, including also the audience of works, the work products themselves, not only the, the, the individual uh, uh, creative process. So th- this would be, I guess, a, a characterization of the first part of the the first non-legal part uh, of the book. The, the second part, 
um, kind of crosses crosses the border towards the legal realm, mm-hmm. um, but but it stops at the at the at the more higher level of the of the more normative legal approaches. So it discusses the the. Uh, um, the derivative works right or copyright generally, but specifically the derivative works right as a, as a case study, uh, uh, beginning with its uh, uh, theoretical understandings or, or normative justifications that are kind of, uh, let's say, intra-legal, right? So, so the, the, the legal normative uh, viewpoint of, uh, of what the derivative works right is all about, what copyright is all about, why, why do we justify uh, mm. copyright at large and derivative, derivative works uh, or the derivative works right specifically. So this would, I, I would characterize this as a, as a second part um, of the book, uh, which holds one specific chapter. This is chapter three uh, of the book. And then we have the, the, the final part, I guess, would be the more doctrinal part um, that kind of harnesses these, these conclusions, both from the non-legal discussion and the, the, the more inner intralegal theoretical discussion into a more kind of a down-to-earth uh, uh, concrete discussion of how how the derivative works uh, uh, right doctrine uh, uh, works kind of a, in reality uh, to show the challenges and, and, and potential you know, fixes to these, uh, to these challenges. So these are chapters four and five of the book. Uh, and and I, I think that would, that would be a pretty you know, comprehensive kind of outline of, of, of the, you know, the, the different kind of methodological and, and, and general kind of uh, uh, descriptions of the three parts of the book. I think that's right. Yeah, you, you, you're absolutely right. You summarize it better than I do. It's your book. So, unsurprisingly. Um, <laughs> well, well I, I guess you, you read it, you know, more recently than I did. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, so, so, you know, what would be, I think what would be really helpful for people, especially lawyers and law professors who may not be as familiar with literary theory, for example, would be if you could say a little something about creativity theory uh, or creativity research and genre theory, uh, mm-hmm. both what they are, sort of what they tell us, and then maybe sort of branch into how they can help us think about uh, creativity in the copyright context and specifically in relation to to derivative works and maybe just kind of starting with a kind of a, a broader description of pre- yeah yeah no that, that, that that's a great question and i i completely agree that you know the motivation to to specifically discuss these types of, of non-legal you know professions right or or or, or, uh, or st- fields of study uh is not you know necessarily uh, uh, um, obvious or natural to, 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 to legal scholarship generally and, and copyright scholarship particularly. And perhaps you know, maybe I can take a step back and discuss, you know, kind of the, the, the general motivation to this research, yeah, which, also, yeah, which, also, which also kind of leads to the motivation to, the, to, to, to delve into these specific uh, uh, fields of study. So, so perhaps I should say that before, you know, becoming, uh, before, before turning to law, I started as a my prof, kind of professional life as a as a musician. Mm. I was actually a, a percussion player um, <laughs> with, with some yeah. very impressive orchestras, I must say. That's that's uh, well that 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 was a fun part of life. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, not that, 
not that many people get to, got got to play with Pierre Boulet. I mean, that's like that's wow. that's that's true. And he was uh, he was already eighty plus when I had, had the opportunity to to you know play under his baton. Um, and but he's he was magnificent. But, but Daniel Barenboim as well, and Subin Mehta and and others. So this is this was a, a really exciting uh, period. You know time period in my in my life um and and i studied music uh, as a I mean, uh, as as a performer uh and i and i did you know practice music i i, I professionally performed for for several years and then i turned to law for various reasons but but you know the the, the idea of creativity uh um of of incorporating um uh, innovation and creativity and creative thought in my in my in my uh, legal career was kind of a, a goal, right? A, mm -hmm. <laughs> an almost necessary goal in my in my uh, first years and you know in, in law studies. And when I started thinking about research projects for my you know coming towards my my PhD um, uh, studies, I when I when I first studied uh, uh, copyright law. In law school, and I studied about the derivative works uh, uh, right and the concept that you know you actually need to get and, and this is not an obvious thing for musicians right or for, mm -hmm. for, for authors the, the, the idea that you actually have to, to obtain a permission to make some kind of uh, you know correspondence with an, with an existing work to, to, uh, to use parts from this work for, for, for uh, added uh, you know for, 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 for uh, uh, subsequent works or additional, you know, creativity or even commenting or corresponding with this work and not in a fair use sense, right? But, but in an actual, you know, uh, uh, professional endeavor, well, it, it's not, it's, it's really not an obvious um, um, idea or, or, or notion for musicians, authors. Uh, uh, it's so, it's so true. Cause you know, I came from the fine art world and it was the same mm -hmm. thing. I was like, yeah. I started law school and I was, I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, so exactly. So this was exactly, this was exactly the, yeah, the feeling I got when I first, you know, studied derivative works and copyright law generally. And then when I started thinking about, about a research project, so the derivative works, right, was obviously going to be my topic. And, and, but, but I, you know, since, since I came from this kind of uh, more, I don't know, artistic profession or whatever, uh, whatever you want to call this, um, mm. I, I thought that it, it, it must be, uh, or I, I must include in this type of research uh, uh, some kind of understanding of how important is using pre-existing works, how common is the actual act of making derivative works in, uh, in the field of authorship, right? In, in the creativity world. Mm. And, and when, I, when I was posed with this question, it's, you know, it's challenging to, to figure out a methodology that would that would be good enough, right, and, and feasible uh, uh, to establish this kind of, uh, you know, a, a substantial part of a, of a research, of an academic research, right, to mm -hmm. be part of a, a PhD thesis uh, dissertation. And, and I, 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 I was kind of, you know, thinking about potentially doing uh, uh, some kind of more, uh, um, let's say, empirical research that would actually try to assess how many works are uh, uh, incorporating previous, you know, mm -hmm. existing works or parts or substantial parts from previous works. And that seems, I mean, almost impossible. 
right? Yeah. Because there are so many different fields of, of, of creativity. There are so many different um, uh, uh, styles and, 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 well, and really, how do you know? Ultimately. Yeah, exactly. And, 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 and exactly. And how do you know? So you can go, you know, so you can go for a more, let's say qualitative uh, empirical research and try, you know, interviewing uh, authors and artists and, and, mm-hmm. and innovators, uh, which is, which is fine, which is, which is interesting, but I, you know, I, I, it's interesting, but first I'm not sure I, I had a qualification to do this type of mm-hmm. research. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm not sure it would have uh, uh, yielded, uh, you know, vast enough results for me to make uh, general conclusions about, about creative, right. About, about the derivative works, right. At mm-hmm. large. Yeah. And, and then the alternative, the alternative was trying to figure out what fields of knowledge, what other, you know, kind of, uh, uh, more, uh, scientific fields of knowledge, right. Scientific in a, in a, in, in a, in, in a large, in a kind of a broad sense, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, fields of research would potentially yield, this type of general results about how creativity looks like and whether or not, and to what extent it includes the uh, uh, use of, or the reliance upon uh, pre-existing uh, uh, knowledge, uh, expressions, works, mm. uh, memory, etc. And the, and you know, the immediate suspect was uh, a cognitive psychology. I did some preliminary research and I saw that there's a significant amount of re- uh, literature on uh, 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 the cognitive process of creativity and creativity studies, which are kind of a, a family name for all sorts of, uh, um, let's say, psychological research, but also some more kind of neuroscience research on on how creativity works. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least, at least, you know, from the viewpoint of the individual, right, and the individual author. So that that was an immediate suspect, and it turned out that there's a lot of literature to review and to see if it, you know, could potentially be beneficial for this type of research. And but but then I, I again, as, as I described in my kind of a more general description of the uh, of the book, I, I I thought that only looking at this from the viewpoint of the author, right, from the lens of of what the cognitive process of an individual author is would not be enough because when we're talking about creativity and we're talking about the value of works of authorship, which is, which is you know, which are, which are questions that are, that are obviously of interest for copyright law. We're not only talking about authors, right? We're only also talking about society at large. We're talking about audiences and, and how they value works of authorship and now, you know, how society, uh, uh, um, uh, looks at creative products and appreciates them and, and values them and uh, corresponds with them. And for this purpose, I, w- I was looking for another field of knowledge that would perhaps reveal some notions on this more, uh, you know, uh, on this broader uh, uh, conceptualization of, of what creativity is. And, uh, you know, I, I, I had some talks with my supervisor and other uh, researchers uh, that I had access to and they recommended they recommended looking into literary theories and you know when I started looking into literary theories I, I, I realized that the, that the specific field of genre theory uh, does exactly that yeah yeah it's exactly no, about how right that was great, you know, because I remember studying genre theory many years ago as a film studies student, and it was just 
such a welcome sort of way of of thinking about how people do creativity in context. So I really I really love that in particular. But I was wondering if maybe we could just take a little step back and maybe you could say mm-hmm. something a little specific about the creativity studies that you looked at right. in your book and what they tell us about how authors do creativity and then maybe segue into talking about how that relates to genre theory and kind of creativity. Context. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, this would, uh, we'll have to do this kind of with, uh, you know, with a wide brush, right? Yeah, yeah. uh, because you you cover so much stuff in your book. Oh, I've I've done quite quite a lot of reading. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know, people people often from from different disciplines ask me, you know, what, what's the methodology for you know for 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 for, for laws, right? For, for for legal research, and I'm saying, you know, reading a lot. Reading a lot. <laughs> I, mean, the, I mean, the amount of material you cover in your book is is frankly phenomenal. I mean, I was like, wow, it was it's it's incredible research and resource, and really made me think like. Golly, like there's a lot of stuff I should really be looking at that I don't. Know. <laughs> yeah, so 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 I'll I'll I'll, 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 really, I'll soon touch upon you know what what you what you ask for, but I'll just say that that the reason I did so much reading and I tried to cover a lot of literature, I mean at least you know to the extent I was able to to trace and and uh, and and you know and understand was that I, I must say I have no formal. Uh, 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 education in the field of cognitive psychology, right? And and mm-hmm. and to to assure that I was actually uh, uh, covering important scholarship, right, and important literature and and relevant and applicable uh, literature, I really did. Uh, I, I forced myself to do a lot of reading before before I even you know allow myself to to start writing anything about a field of knowledge that is not something that I'm, you know, formally competing, you know, competing mm-hmm. with. Uh, I did have, I did have advisors from our, uh, from, from, from the Tel Aviv University uh, uh, psychology department. They, and they helped a lot, you know, focusing mm-hmm. me on, 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 uh, and pointing me to, to, to important literature. But uh, yeah, as, as I, as I read along, I, I, I got to the point where I, I, I think I understood what, what was the, the <laughs> important literature and the relevant one. But yes, it, it including a lot included a lot of reading. Mm-hmm. Um, so, 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 I, I think the interesting thing about, uh, or at least my experience with the interesting thing with my experience uh, with uh, with uh, cognitive psychology and creativity studies, is that there are a lot of approaches and methodologies in this field of study uh, um, uh, with respect to the question how should you know the process of creation be described, studied, uh, explained, etc. So, so mm-hmm. there's really uh, there, there there is a, a, a very very uh, uh, large variety of of, uh, of methodologies and and uh, aspects in which this is viewed. But I think that that the, um, I think the main literature in, or the main theoretical literature in, in cognitive psychology and creativity studies with respect to, to, the, uh, to, to, to creativity and the process of creation attempts to uh, describe the stages and components, and this is what, what's referred to as the stage and componential 
approach to creativity, it attempts to 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 to, to generally describe what are the, the the necessary, the characteristic stages and components of a typical creative process. And and this is, I, I mean, for me, this was a very very interesting starting point because, you know. It, it matches the, the, the motivation I had. I, I wanted to try and extract, you know, notions and understandings that are general in their character that could generally account for how uh, creativity looks like. Now, obviously, you know, this could be uh, criticized in, 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 in many ways. And, and it, 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 by the way, it's also uh, criticized by some uh, uh, creativity studies uh, uh, commentators, and there are some uh, uh, other approaches trying to kind of pinpoint more specific researcher uh, research approaches, exper- you know, using experiments and 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 uh, kind of more empirical work, specifically in the fields of, of neuro- neuroscience and, and you know, kind of more let's say more more scientific approaches to. Uh, creativity mm. but still these these general uh, uh, research approaches to creativity uh, talking about stages and components are, are very central to the field mm. and uh, and they were very useful for me as a starting point right I obviously kept reading uh, and 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 uh, uh, referring to other approaches as well uh, but it was this was a very good starting point and, and the, the interesting thing was that even w- within this approach to to creativity the stage and components approach there, there are various accounts of how the creative process looks like but as an you know as an outsider as someone who looks at this uh, um, uh, uh, scholarship you know not from within uh, what was interesting to me was that there are some characterizations of the creative process and the stages and components that are um, uh, intrinsic, right? That, that they are almost inevitable in the creative process that are common to all these, uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, different uh, uh, scholars and researchers and, 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 and literature. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this was obviously, you know, a, 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 a great catch for me, yeah. um, specifically because it, specifically all, you know, because it also kind of, uh, uh, or at least I, I, for me, it was very evident that, that this corresponds with, with understandings of, you know, or at least, uh, implied understandings of, of how creativity looks like in copyright law. So this mm-hmm. was a very you know, uh, 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 you know, a jackpot for me <laughs> reading, reading this scholarship. And, and, and when I refer to this, I'm, I'm talking about the, the two general stages that I characterize in, in my uh, discussion on, on cognitive psychology and creativity studies about the creative process, where the first stage or the first part or at least one part of, of creativity and the creative process is often characterized as, an, as, a, as a stage or as a state of um, unfocused, kind of more abstract thought, mm-hmm. uh, not necessarily not necessarily uh, conscious thought, but it could also be conscious. Um, that that is basically planting the seeds, or or, or maybe producing the 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 the, the first kind of uh, um, sparks. If, if we if we speak metaphorically, right, uh, sparks that initiate the creative uh, process, but at the same time, all these uh, uh, approaches and researches are also describing a different stage or a different part of the cre- uh, creative process 
that commonly discusses that this uh, uh, general thought about the crystallization of this abstract mm-hmm. no, non-focused thought into concrete uh, um, you know, ideas or tools or product or creative products, right? Solutions. If we're talking about, you know, uh, uh, problem solving as a characterization of what creativity is, um, that is very, uh, uh, very conscious, very specific. And the tool for this part of, of, of the creative process is usually referred to as the use of what these fields of knowledge um, describe as domain relevant knowledge, yeah. domain relevant knowledge, domain relevant memory, and this you know this obviously clicked um, <laughs> uh, with with, uh, with with what I'm with what I'm trying to say uh, uh, intuitively so trying to say. Yeah, we so often think of creativity as just being about the spark, but it's that second. Right. It's the domain relevant knowledge that mm-hmm. that you know that people forget about and it really i mean and and obviously that really ties into your discussion of genre theory and i can see exactly why it led you there because that's mm-hmm. what it's all about huh De- definitely definitely and and when we're talking about if, if we shift you know to, to genre theory for a second uh um when we're so so the focus of genre theory and you know this is how we commonly non-academically use the word genre for right we're talking about these common building blocks right these common uh, 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 features that we all use in order to be able to actually speak right speak artistically but but also genre theory also applies to you know to speech acts and and to actual speech in communications but if we're if, if we're if we're using these notions in at least in the field of creativity and arts then you know these the, the basic notion that there is a common you know there is common grounds there are common tools that we almost must use in order to speak in a, you know, in a cognate, in a, in a, in a perceivable manner uh, uh, with our, with our community is a central pillar of genre theory across the board, right? Beginning from more kind of pres- prescriptive theories that, that actually take these type of building blocks as rules for how to create, right? For how to make art, which traces back to the, you know, the more kind of classical uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. era. Yeah, that's that, that, that's so yeah. great. Yeah, and it really what what I love about it is that you take a lot of fundamental. I mean, like you use these tools to take a lot of fundamental concepts in copyright law and actually engage with them in a much more fundamental way. I mean, because the way you're talking about creativity and creativity studies and genre theory ties in so deeply with you know, copyrightable subject matter and the idea expression dichotomy and how we think about the relationship between copyrightable subject matter and what what's available to anyone, you know, what isn't copyrighted. Right, right. And so you give us some right. tea, you know? Sorry, yeah, you were caught for a Sorry, second? Sorry, you, you, you kind of give it some teeth in a way that that it doesn't otherwise have. I, I, I agree. And I think, I mean, you know, the, the, the book or the research focused on, 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 you know, a specific aspect of copyright law, right. On, on the derivative works, right. Because this is the kind of bigger claim that I'm trying to, 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 to make here. But I think that these, you know, the, the, the importing these notions from, from, from 
creativity studies and from genre theories to the field of copyright law definitely contributes to, to better understanding and perhaps justifying uh, uh, um, uh, specific doctrines or, or basic, you know, basic features of, of copyright law, the, the ones you actually mentioned, right? The copyrightable subject matter, uh, uh, idea expression dichotomy, originality, right? The originality requirement. And by the way, it also kind of corresponds in, in a sense with the uh, more general idea of roman you know romantic authorship right mm-hmm. and and the and the contra movement of you know the death of the author right the the mm-hmm. the, the the peter yazi and, and martha woodmansey uh you know project on 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 you know the the death of the romantic authorship approach so i think even with these type of approaches we can learn a lot from 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 the non-legal understandings understandings of creativity and they do not necessarily lead to one direction so it's not and, and I think I'm, I'm trying to make this point as well, but I'm, I, what I'm trying to say is that it's not that the fact that creativity studies and genre theories uh, show that the use of prior knowledge and these, you know, common building blocks and constraints on creativity um, absolutely cancel the idea of individualism, right? And let's say, uh, you know, more metaphorically romantic authorship, but, but the, the individual contribution, the originality of the author to the creative process. No, that's, that's not what they say. They definitely acknowledge and support this idea, but, what they, but at the same time, they do indicate that there are other significant features to creativity and to the creative process that are not at all uh, uh, dependent or, or originate from, from the author herself. Mm. Mm, yeah. Okay. So there, there's so much that you say in your book and we, we, that we just can't cover at all. But I was wondering if kind of in a nutshell, you could say a little something about how you found that creativity theory and, and genre studies inform how we should think about the concept of a derivative work and the concept of a creative contribution to uh, a, a you know to a copyrighted work uh, in a legal yeah. context. Yeah. So so yeah. So obviously this would be you know the, the, so this kind of uh, the, the, this is the the part where we cross the border from the non legal discussion to the to yeah. the actual legal discussion and how it informs and affects it. And I think. If if I need to if I if I really need to choose one way in which you know these ideas and notions and conclusions should inform us about how you know how we should think about the derivative works right and copyright law generally, is that if we if, if we you know if if we agree with the type of you know analysis or the you know kind of uh, description of of these non legal fields that I that I suggest, I think that what immediately follows is that. While today copyright law, at least implicitly, determines that derivative works are inferior to a certain extent, right, to, to, to original works of authorship, right, that are not based on, 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 on pre-existing expressions, this is not at all supported by, by these non-legal uh, uh, notions of, or understandings of, of creativity. And if we think, if we really understand, if we really think and if we really believe that create uh, the derivative works are as or potentially as creative as important to the creative world as uh, uh, original works of authorship, then you know then we should definitely revisit the doctrine because because it's it's not what it says or at least it's implicitly, and and this is basic. I think this this is the 
you know, in, most important starting point for the discussion, uh, both on the for the you know theoretical discussion on the derivative works right and the more doctrinal uh, discussion that that is uh, that, that that I suggest in, in in the book. Yeah, no, and that's one thing I found really interesting about it was that in in a sense I I felt like your your work in literary theory or the kind of the, the insights you bring in from literary theory are kind of almost corrosive of a lot of sort of underlying assumptions of, of copyright doctrine, which people have been like sniping at for, for a long time, but you bring kind of something much more fundamental to, to the table as it were. I mean, it's, you know, you're not just saying that, well, you know, everything builds on something else, but you're really showing how the idea of a quote unquote original work of authorship, as opposed to a derivative work, is just a false dichotomy. Yeah, I, 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 I completely, I completely agree. And, and, and by the way, this is not to say, so I, I think, I think there's one important clarification to make. So, and I, and I'm, I, I'm trying to do this, you know, in the book, but, but obviously, you know, when you read some of the, uh, you know, some of the arguments and, and I'm obviously also at least implicitly emotional about these arguments, I guess, I guess this somehow, <laughs> uh, passes through the text. Um, but but what I am I am trying to say is that I'm I'm not arguing that these you know non legal notions and conclusions are necessarily or should necessarily instruct how we decide copyright law should look like. So I think I mean we we could definitely say that well you know the law uh, has uh, various uh, normative and and conceptual sources. And it does not necessarily have to be educated or solely educated by these non-legal fields. And we can decide that we want derivative works to be inferior, right, to, 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 um, to, to original works of authorship. But then, and this is my argument, but if, if we say that, we need to explain why. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, when we, when we delve into the, you know, the, the, the normative justifications to copyright law and even to doctrine and even to how, you know, the, the derivative works, right, doctrine is presented, right, in, in, in courts, I really, I'm, I was unable to, to understand or to find a good enough justification to why we suggest to make this type of, of, of dichotomy. And if we can't, and if we can't, then I think we have very good reasons to, to, to normatively argue that uh, uh, you know that the doctrine should be uh, uh, um, adapted mm-hmm. well okay so this is this is great um, you know obviously there's a lot more going on in your book and I really recommend that that people check it out one thing that's fascinating to me uh, a little bit of a tangent from your book itself but you know reading the book it's very much focused on United States copyright law, you know, and you, you talk about kind of alternative European approaches as well, especially in your, your section on kind of different normative theories of copyright, but there is a kind of U S focus, but you're writing from, from Israel. And, you know, honestly, Hmm. as a U.S. scholar, I don't know anything about Israeli copyright law. I, although I know that Israeli law has a lot of kind of, 
parallels to and harmonization with with U.S. law. And I was just wondering, like, are, are there, you know, did writing from Israel and studying in Israel change your perspective on the the subject matter of your kind of legal scholarship here at all? Yeah, so that's so that's that's a very good question. I I, I would say that um, Israeli law generally uh, is very much influenced from you know from Anglo-American uh, law generally as as a legal structure uh, as a legal system, right? Our, our some of our laws are actually uh, uh, um, actual copies, <laughs> but actual copies of 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 you know of English. Uh, uh, laws that were, you know, actually that, that applied derivative uh, works. That were, <laughs> right, the ver- derivative works of English uh, English laws that were uh, applicable in, in 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 Mandate Palestine before the establishment of the State of Israel. So, you know, we're obviously very much connected to um, uh, um, to, to to English and United States uh, uh, jurisprudence um, as a system, and specifically in the field of, of intellectual property and copyright law. But it's more than that. It's not only that we're influenced, so that our uh, legislation and and and, uh, and laws are, are are influenced, or sometimes actual you know actually copied from, uh, or, or su- substantially based on uh, um, on on English or American uh, uh, um, legislative materials, but also our judiciary system, courts in Israel, and specifically the Supreme Court of Israel, and specifically when it discusses, um, let's say, new fields, right? And, and I'm characterizing intellectual property and copyright as a new, right, uh, mm-hmm. uh, um, field of law in comparison to perhaps, you know, uh, real estate and, and taxation and, uh, you know, uh, and torts. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and in, in these fields, our, our, our judges and justices often turn to uh, uh, United States uh, uh, um, court decisions, specifically the, the you know the Supreme Court of the United States, but also uh, uh, um, you know federal uh, federal courts as, courts as well as well as uh, uh, English. Uh, um, uh, court decisions when they attempt or when they first interpret. Uh, Israeli legislature, uh, Israeli legislation, even the Israeli copyright law that, by the way, was was uh, uh, reenacted in in 2008, and it's a new law. It's an Israeli law. It's not based on on you know on previous kind of on the on the on the English copyright uh, copyright act of 1911 that was you know that that applied to various uh, uh, colonies of of uh, of you know the British. Uh, of British colony to British colonies, it's a new law. But but it, but 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 again, when the Supreme Court interprets the Israeli Supreme Court interprets uh, um, uh, new concepts in this law, and this includes well, the derivative works right never actually reached the Supreme Court in Israel, but other courts as well. Mm. When they get to interpret these doctrines, they rely on American jurisprudence and on English jurisprudence, and in this sense, it actually requires Israeli. Uh, uh, legal scholars that you know attempt to bring you know something new to the table here in Israel to uh, immerse themselves in 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 in, uh. in foreign you know in foreign law and 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 I must say that in the specific context of you know of copyright and the derivative works right we actually have very very similar concepts so the derivative works 
right in Israel is defined as a work substantially based on pre-existing works. So the, the only difference between this and and the, 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 the United States definition is the use of the word substantially. substantially but right? boy, that, that, could, that could actually make a big difference, though, substantially. Well, it, it could. It, it could. It definitely could. Although when the, you know, although when, you know, when, when the, when the infringement tests in the United States are substantial similarity, mm. then, you know, then it kind of uh, you know, m- makes it very close. I, I agree that there could be differences, but it makes it very close. Mm. Uh, and again, all these, you know, the general ideas that we talked about, you know, the, the, the expression dichotomy, uh, uh, originality, uh, copyrightable subject matter, these are all concepts that are, you know, uh, uh, often discussed in Israeli courts and are very influenced by American jurisprudence in this case. So this is why American jurisprudence uh, uh, got such a big chunk of the, you know, of the, of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I guess I, I also used English scholarship or I- English jurisprudence because it, it showed a, an interesting aspect where the, the, the overlap that I'm discussing, uh, the overlap between the reproduction right and the derivative works right is actually almost statutorily dictated in England. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, this was an interesting feature to, to, to present, by the way, that the, the thesis or the PhD thesis, which is the, you know, the, the, the basis for for this work, which was written in Hebrew, also holds a part on, on Israeli uh, law. But this was too much for uh, you know for an uh, internationally oriented uh, uh, copyright book. Uh, but maybe maybe another maybe maybe in a follow up article. Yeah, follow up article would be great. Well, Omri, this has been fantastic. Uh, really great to talk to you about this about your book, which is is great. And I'm going to have to you know reread it because it. It really sparked a lot of interesting ideas for me. And I, I was just wondering, you know, as we wrap up, is, is there anything you want to leave the listeners with about your book or sort of the ideas you're, uh, you're presenting in, in your book? Well, I, 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 I think, and I'm, I'm, I think I tried to touch on it uh, in, the, in the conclusion part of the book. I think that, you know, aside from the actual discussion, right, the very specific discussion on derivative works and the doctrine and the doctrinal changes that I suggest, and, you know, the feasibility of them to being adopted is, you know, questionable as uh, with any other, uh, uh, you know, legal scholarship, or at least, you know, this would take a while. <laughs> I would... I would I would call you know other scholarships by the way other scholars right I, by the way both legal scholars and creativity scholars as well to take this as a kind of a call for future uh, projects um, to and and for, for example from the creativity studies uh, uh, viewpoint I would love to see uh, creativity scholars trying to aim their researches and experiments right even the more kind of empirical work that they do uh, um, to to actual uh, works of authorship that 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 correspond with notions from copyright law right to understand that copyright law has something to say about their uh, uh, research field which is an you know kind of an inverse uh, version of what I'm doing yeah. and 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 I would love for you know legal scholars to either expand the, you know, to, 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 to follow up and expand the use of, you know, the notions I suggest from these non-legal fields to other copyright or intellectual property uh, 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 doctrines. And also, you know, try, try proving me wrong. I mean, you know, it's, it would obviously not be as pleasant as, you know, receiving compliments, but, uh, 
but I mean, I, I think that this is this would be a very healthy discussion for for copyright law, uh, because if we, I think, if we really understand, or at least if we try to really understand what uh, creativity studies and, and other non-legal thoughts on creativity and works of authorship, uh, we would definitely have a much richer uh, and more uh, stable, right, and and resistant to criticism field and discussions on on, on copyright law. So oh, wow. this would be my, uh, yeah, yeah. No, I agree. Well, Omri, this has been this has been great. Thank you so much for this conversation. Thank you, Brian. It's been a pleasure, and I, I really enjoyed this uh, this interview. It was great. Mm-hmm.